if you're in a position to invest financially or you you can you know you have the means to do it in other whatever way do it like pick a strategy that makes sense to you get a mentor get a coach um, do all that learning but don't just do that actually take action and make it happen because honestly when before we like when when we bought that first property it was like game over we just kept going um but if we if we hadn't bought the first property who knows where we would be we actually took action and, and made it happen welcome to the invest nest real estate investing show a community for real estate investors to learn network and grow be sure to join the investnest.com and start learning and earning today hey what's going on everybody this is travis murphy your host of the invest nest real estate investing show as always, we've got another, we've got two great invest guests joining us in just a minute. John and Amanda Eagle with Legacy Home Investments are going to talk to us about their uh, real estate investing journey. Uh, they're doing a lot of uh, cool things. Uh, this interview is great. There's a lot of good uh, substance that comes out of this conversation. So I really think you guys are going to enjoy this one. John and Amanda are doing some, some awesome things. I just got back from a quick trip to Park City, Utah, doing a little bit of snowboarding. So that's why last week we had somewhat of a shortened show. Um, but if you missed last week's podcast, go check it out. Uh, I talk about the importance of analyzing our deals and I talk through or I break down calculating cash flow. Uh, so go check that out. I also bring up or I also discuss some of the new features coming to the InvestNest website. I talk about some of the upgrades that are coming and there's still some more announcements on the way. So stay tuned. But if you missed last week's podcast, go check it out. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast so far, please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming uh, episodes. We release every Wednesday morning. Um, so hit the subscribe button and leaving a review and rating really helps us out. Uh, you can also follow along on all of our social media uh, on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Invest Nest. We also have a Facebook group page. Uh, you can find that at Facebook slash group slash The Invest Nest. And we have a YouTube channel. So if you prefer to watch these uh, interviews as opposed to just listen, go to YouTube and search The Invest Nest and you'll be able to find all of our uh, episodes there as well as some upcoming additional content that will be released on YouTube. And of course, go check out theinvestnest.com. It's an online community for real estate investors. You can create your free profile network, a lot of great resources there. And again, it's totally free and we've got a lot of new features coming very soon. All right, and now we're gonna welcome this week's invest guests, John and Amanda Eagle with Legacy Home Investments. Uh, they've got a unique investing strategy. Um, it seems to be very specific, but I'm gonna let them explain that to us in just a minute. Uh, how are you guys doing? Welcome doing to the well, show. Travis. Thank Thanks you so much for having us. Absolutely, my pleasure, my pleasure. Everything, everything going good in y'all's world today? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're keeping busy and things are, things are motoring and uh, lots on the go. Nice. Real, real estate keeping you guys busy. Yeah. Always. Definitely. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's, a, it's a pretty wild time right now. So I'm excited to finally got, have you guys on the show. I've been following along with what you're doing and uh, sharing on Instagram. And I really, I like the thing I think I like the most about you guys is that you have a unique strategy and it's a very specific strategy. Can you give us give our audience just a quick kind of overview of what it is that you both do within real estate investing? 
Yeah, so we buy these 50 to 60 um, bungalows and we turn them into duplex conversions. So we're taking a single family home and then turning them into two separate units. Yeah, so it, we and we're, we adopted the burr strategy with these. So basically now in our market, uh, our burrs are not perfect burrs. We, we typically get our renovation costs out um, when, we, when we refinance. Um, but the change of use, so bringing it from a single family uh, home to a, a legal duplex adds quite a bit of value. And they're a really uh, sought after type of property in our market. So um, it's, you know, it's when it comes to actual uh, values, like real estate values and um, rent, uh, like market rents, um, they're, they're pretty solid. Awesome. Yeah, that's an interesting aspect to what you guys do, that whole conversion of single family to the duplex. And I want to drill down into that um, in a few minutes. Uh, I, I mean, it's cool how you're bringing different strategies. And that's the that's the cool thing about real estate, really, it, you know, there's lots of different ways to do it. And you guys have found a, a, a pretty cool niche that works for you guys, you know, combining multiple strategies. Uh, and it sounds like you found success with that. So um, that's, that's a great strategy. But first, let's get a little background if we can. How, how long have you guys been doing this? Uh, so we bought our first investment property in 2017, but at that time we didn't have our strategy really dialed in. So we decided because we were newer investors, we would start with something a little easier. We started buying, um, uh, we bought a, a small condo, uh, single family, of course. So uh, we didn't, we hadn't adopted the whole um, multi-unit or duplex strategy yet. And um, in 2017, we bought two condos thinking, you know, We'll we'll buy in good areas. We'll let the tenants pay off the mortgage, uh, and then when we go to retire, um, we'll have a, a pretty decent retirement plan. But um, as our strategy evolved, and as our you know we had more conversation about what we really want out of life, and we determined that um, having a couple of properties paid off in the next twenty five years or thirty years when we go to retire. It sounds cool uh, at first, but then you realize you, you don't want to be in that nine to five grind or that rat race for that long. And so we um, kind of changed our strategy up to be able to scale uh, more and, and faster uh, to be able to move up that retirement date. So now, um, rather than buying small single family condos, we do the duplexes, which are higher in value. Um, and get higher rents and uh, are are definitely a sought after, like I said, a sought after type of property. So selling them in the future is not going to be an issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you pivoted from long-term paying off, well, in real estate investing is long-term in general, but the original strategy of long-term paying off all the notes to a shift towards more um, cash flow. Uh, the duplex, would, I would imagine, apply, you know, provide more cash flow than the, than the condos or the single family, as well as building up the equity and building up your net worth because you're adding all this, you know, you're adding a ton of, of value. Uh, that's cool that you realized that early on, you know, you shifted, there's nothing wrong with that. That's the other cool thing about real estate investing. You know, there's, like we said a minute ago, there's a lot of strategies, um, but there's not always a straight line. It's usually not a straight line. You know, Definitely there's a not. lot of zig and zags. And the more we learn, usually the more we change our approach and strategy. So how did, how did, real quick, what are you guys up to portfolio-wise now? Like what, 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 around where are you at with your, uh, your, your portfolio? So we have um, four properties with eight units altogether. 
Okay. And then so we just acquired another one with a partner. So that's going to be starting in May. Nice. You guys are rolling. So you got rid of the condos and then, and then you're all focused on the duplexes. So we have one single family condo still. Um, we are still doing well with that and we have great tenants. So we might eventually get rid of that one and uh, turn that into another duplex conversion. Uh, but for now, we're just kind of leaving that one. Um, yeah, we we uh, decided when we wanted to, when we decided on the duplex strategy, the, the first condo that we bought uh, we was sold so that we could use the, we did really well on that one. And we used the proceeds to get our first duplex. Um, and, and anyone that's new or that's listening, uh, it's important to know that selling off a property to be able to help your, your portfolio grow and help scale is, is not a bad thing at all. Um, you know, a lot of people think, you know, I went through all the, the hassle of buying this thing and it's done, you know, pretty well. Uh, I don't want to get rid of it. Well, we got rid of a $350,000 condo to purchase a property that's now uh, worth to us, like to our portfolio, like probably 720 to 750,000. Um, so we got rid of one of the condos, turned that one door into two and it's worth more and the cash flow is, is better. So, uh, yeah. it made sense to us to, to do that. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause you do hear people in real estate talk about, you know, buying things and never selling them. Like it's a, it's a bad thing to sell. Well, back to your strategy and your approach, it really depends on what your plan is. And if you're able to take one performing asset and turn that into something with a higher yield or and or higher value, which adds to your net worth again. I mean, why, why not? It's, it's actually just kind of moving things. It's, it's allowing you to get to scale quicker, it sounds like. So it goes back to everybody's strategy and their risk threshold and what they're comfortable with and how quickly they would like to go. So, you know, it really just depends on the individual and their approach and what's working for them. And again, it seems like you guys found something that's working well. So eight doors, do you guys self-manage or do you guys have management company? Yeah, we self-manage. Yeah, self -manage. yeah we, we have. So this, we, we don't want to get too deep into into this particular property, but we do own one out of province. Um, it's about if you were driving about seventeen or eighteen hours away in uh, Moncton, New Brunswick, and that property is a triplex, and so that one's being managed by another company. Um, we've because our strategy has evolved um, and our our actual goals have changed. We're actually um, potentially going to be selling that one soon. And again, redeploying that into another duplex conversion here uh, in Ontario or Kitchener, uh, where, where we invest. Um, and uh, so, three of our of our eight units are are not self managed, but the rest are. Okay, so you guys have a, a pretty much not necessarily out of you have a long distance investment property as well, and that and that's the one that is managed by a, a company. Correct. What, what are your thoughts on managing yourself? Do you guys enjoy it? I mean, because this is something that comes up a lot in the conversation of real estate investing as well, especially when people are first starting. You know, do they do you try to tackle that yourself or do you outsource it? What, what's your guys' position on that now that you're managing yourself? Do you like it? Do you think it's something you change in the future? I would change. I'm the one that does most of the management and I would change it in the future when we get to a level that might become a little bit too much for, for one person to handle. But I think it's really important to base whether you self-manage or not on your strategy. The, the fact that we have, uh, we do duplex conversions. And by the time these 1960s bungalows are renovated to our, our standards, <clears throat> almost everything's brand new. There's not a lot that, that can go wrong, you know, like in the immediate future after finishing that. Uh, of course, there are things that can go wrong. But because we attract high quality tenants to this type of property and that everything's new, 
there's not a ton that requires me to be running around all the time. So um, even though I'm self-managing, uh, the the issues or or anything that comes up are few and far between. So for for us and for me, it makes sense. If I was investing in student multiple student properties with high turnover and and maybe more damage or or things like that, then I definitely would not self manage. But the type of investing we do is fairly low maintenance in, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I mean that's and that's a good point too because you know it depends on the asset, right? And if you're buying something with a lot of deferred maintenance where there's going to be a lot of maintenance calls, there's going to be a lot more work involved with that. You guys with, with with the process that you have in place when you're ready to rent, you know, rent your units out, it sounds like they're in pretty good shape and don't have a lot of maintenance to go along with it, which in turn means less work for you guys. And I think that's a, that's a pretty common theme. A lot of people start trying to tackle the management themselves whether it's to save their margins or they just it's something they think they want to they may enjoy doing and then when they when they hope to get to or when they get to a point of scale that's usually the point where they're they're kind of out you know transition to outsourcing the management some people individually just don't necessarily enjoy it a whole lot you know and that's not really their their thing and they just prefer to not have to deal with it all together and there's nothing wrong with that too yeah, and I think it depends on how much time you have too. like, obviously, it's more time consuming at the beginning when you're, you know, trying to figure out who you're going to rent it to and everything. Um, John has a lot of flexibility with his job. So he's been able to have the time to do that. But some people don't have that. The, the other thing too, is we do outsource a lot of stuff in our business, but, mm-hmm. um, but, but property management is not one of them. And one of the reasons why we're looking to get out of the Moncton market is because it's so far away and I don't have any, you know, real control over what's happening. And I take, we both take a lot of pride in, in the way we carry our properties and the tenants that we have. And when I don't get to have any say in who is, um, who, which tenants get placed um, and how overall, how things are being managed, um, that's something that I wouldn't be okay with, with leaving to someone else. And I feel like at the point where I'm ready to do, to have a project manager or sorry, a property manager take over, I would still probably keep the tenant screening and placement process to myself. It's just yeah. not something I'm willing to let go. Yeah. Those are two good points. Uh, Amanda, you brought up the fact that it, it's a lot, it comes back to a lot of people. It, the issue is time. So if you're just getting started a lot, you know, a lot of people are still working full time, have careers and they don't, they may not necessarily have the ability to manage their their properties. Uh, if you have a flexible schedule, um, if you're happen to be a realtor or a contractor, you know, some you have some flexibility there and it may may fit into your schedule better. So that's a great point. And John, to your point, you know, these are your assets, these are your future, these are your retirements. This is what's paying your bills basically. This is what's you know setting you up for your future, your family. And you know, some people are more cautious who uh, lives in in those dwellings that mean so much to you guys. So that that's, that leads me into kind of the next area I want to go with you guys, which is you talked about kind of how you got into real estate investing and your shift of your strategy. But why why are you guys doing this? Why what's the the goal behind it? What what drives you um, you know to to build this portfolio and where do you see you guys going in the future? So I think for us um, the biggest thing is time freedom. 
we are young and our kids are young. Our kids are nine and seven. So we want to spend as much time as we can with them. We want to travel and do things that we want to do. We'll still continue to grow the business and, and work on that because that's what we enjoy. But we want to be able to say like, you know, John, you don't have to work anymore. We want to just focus on the business and spending time as a family. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that and going back to kind of the, the, the name of our company, Legacy Home Investments, we're we're building a legacy. Uh, we're we're taking our kids along for for the ride because they, um, you know, to show them, you know, a, a dumpy old bungalow, what it looks like at, at the beginning and what we turned it into. They're fascinated by it, and so every time we uh, bring them to see the progress, they they can't believe what it looks like. And at the same time, um, you know, we we had our nine year old son reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, and he really really enjoyed it. Um, and so. I, I feel like not only is it a, a legacy as far as setting up a, a solid future, but um, also education and and ideally um, having our kids do something like this or something that they, they see the value in being financially secure. Um, and so overall, that's the why, like spending time traveling, uh, not living by someone else's uh, schedule uh, and um, and just overall showing our kids what what you can do. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that holds true for a lot of us. It's 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 that financial independence and that time independence. You know, the the ability to spend more time with family if you want to, to travel if you want to, or do any of the things, um, you know, that are important to you in life. And you know, John, the legacy aspect of that, and including your children, that's cool because a lot you know a lot of people think investing it is long term. It's building uh, net worth. It's building wealth. And a lot of people do that with the motivation of leaving something behind to their to their children but you guys bringing the, the children into the fold and making it part of almost their education i think it's brilliant because you know not only are you setting yourself up for retirement because hopefully you'll be able to hand it off to them at some point and you can maybe kick back a little bit but you know the whole education aspect whether they're doing it with you guys or they're doing it themselves or they're doing something totally different just getting away from that mindset that i think our uh, society kind of has built of you know going going through the, the motions of the education and then getting into the debt and getting the career just thinking about money and finances differently at an early age you know that's that's only going to help them be successful you know much earlier than we all were probably so oh yeah mm -hmm. great great stuff 100%. great stuff there so now i want to i want to talk to you guys about a little bit more about your your strategy a little bit more specifically uh, of what you're doing so you're taking single family homes built in the 1950s and 60s, and you're converting them to duplexes. How does that work? Is there a process involved with the, with the, the local jurisdiction that has to, it has to be done in order to do that properly? Or do you just go in and kind of build a wall down the middle and add, to, and add another door on the front? Yeah, so we definitely have to check the zoning before to make sure. And we specialize in Kitchener, Ontario. So we know like, you know, what needs to be done. Um, so yeah, we double check the zoning to make sure we make sure that the you know there's an extra parking spot uh, that can be made because you're only allowed to have a certain amount of um, footage taking up on the front lawn. So you need to make sure that that is allowed. Um, yeah. To that. Yeah. So so like there's there's a whole there's a whole uh, first of all there's what we look for we look for um, something that has three bedrooms on the main floor 
and at least two in the basement. We love three if we can, because it gets better values and better rents um, and a separate entrance. And if we have that and it's in a zone that we can, that we can turn it into a duplex, we love it. And that's, that's what we, we, we look for. Um, a lot of places that don't have a separate entrance can be turned into, you can add one, but it adds a lot of cost. So we try to find ones that are kind of ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually when you're, when you find a house like that in a neighborhood, the neighbors already turn theirs into a duplex. Like it's, it's a pretty common thing to do. And today with the, with the, how expensive real estate is, especially in certain hot markets like ours, um, young people that are trying to get into their first home are searching out legal duplexes because they can live in, in one and rent the other. Um, to and, add to that, though, they're also the regular home buyers too that we're competing against because they want to just live in it, right? So that's been driving the pricing. Yeah, the lack of in, the lack of inventory. Lack of inventory. Yep. And and yeah. our duplexes are typically up and down duplexes, not side by side. So it's basically a bungalow where the main floor is a unit, and then there's a separate entrance to the basement, and we turn that into another unit as well. Um, and we have a system in place for renovations as far as um, getting. Um, that we, we use the, the same or similar products every time as far as the materials go. Um, we have our team in place, uh, like contractors and, and trades and things like that. So we, we can acquire a property and pretty much right, right away get into to getting things done and contacting everybody and getting everything lined up. Yeah. And, that, and that's the benefit of really knowing what you're looking for. So I've talked a lot on the podcast about it, it can be easy when you're looking for a deal and you're having a hard time and you're looking for so many different things, you're, you're almost not looking for anything. What, this is a perfect example of really specifically knowing what you're after. It allows you to basically push 90% of everything that's out there off to the side and not waste your time looking at all this stuff or analyzing or whatever. When you guys see it, you know it. And then to take it a step further, you guys have the processes in place to just be able to go ahead and and you know, execute. So having that team, having your contractors, having those same materials that you pretty much know you're going to use that not only allows you to, again, side skirt some of the decision making that goes along with this stuff, but also having a more accurate uh, estimate of your cost because you know the cost of the materials, whether it's square footage or per quantity. So all of this stuff to our listeners, I mean, this is, you guys are, you know, at a, it seems like you're at a point where you've hit your stride, you found success. And you've got a system. So to our listeners out there, I just want to make that point that this is kind of what it takes when you get to that spot. It's about having your systems about it's about knowing what it is you're looking for and having a strategy and then being able to go implement that and execute and be successful. So a ton of good stuff there. And then to take it a step further with the strategy, you're bringing the burr into the fold. Uh, So you're recycling a lot of that capital, I would imagine. And I think, John, to your point earlier, a lot of us, when we think Burr, you know, times have changed a little bit. It's not necessarily everybody. You get all that money back and then you just go repeat it. If you do, that's great. If you can find that opportunity, that's great. But the fact that we can recoup any of our initial investment or any of that capital to redeploy is a great, great thing. Can you talk to us about the Burr and how you guys have utilized that and how that's helped you guys you know, become successful? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, the burr, the, the perfect burr where you pull all your money out and even the ones where you pull all your money out and then some, um, it's very rare. Um, I know everyone kind of is like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so jealous because that you, you got to pull all your money out. And there's markets, some markets in, in Canada, definitely a lot of markets in the U.S. that, that you can still do that. 
but we like to invest in the hot market where real estate um, is not likely to, uh, it's, it's, all, it's, it's likely to always be a solid investment. Um, and uh, like we have a lot of tech here, uh, the job market is, is always really, really good here in our market. And so um, we like to invest in areas like that. And so, but in turn, we're not getting perfect burst. The, the price of, to acquire a property is, is a lot higher. Um, but the change of use into a duplex and then the, the pretty strong year over year uh, increase in value is, is, is good. And uh, we end up, um, it ends up hitting the net worth um, in a more positive way uh, rather than the, net, the monthly net cash flow because uh, that's not what we're chasing when, when we do this. Um, so what we typically get when it comes to the burr is we typically will will leave our down payment in the deal for a while, but our renovation money comes back out, which which helps us to move on and renovate another property. Yeah, and I mean, to your point about the location you're in and the fact that that may restrict your ability to pull all of the capital back out. I mean, it, real estate's a lot of it's about trade-offs, you know. So you guys are you know trading off stability. You're in a market that's stable. There's lots of uh, you know job opportunity there. Uh, there's always going to be a demand for housing. It seems. Yep. Um, it seems like you're probably getting great appreciation. So that's it's a trade-off of what you're looking for. You can probably find other markets that maybe are not as hot or maybe you know um, less desirable. And a lot of times those properties cash flow higher. Like you just said, you know you might be able to have something with a lot of deferred maintenance that you don't have to put a lot into that you can buy for really inexpensive, put a tenant in there and have a higher cash flow yield, but you're not necessarily getting that equity kicker that you guys are getting in this hot market. And then possibly even the appreciation that goes along with that over time. So it's just a trade-off, right? You know, some people yeah. are after that other cash flow aspect or, or, or a balance of the two, which it seems like you guys have, have struck pretty well um, between that cash flow and, and building and building wealth. Yeah, and yeah, and getting any any of the cash back to go redeploy you know to re to do to, to fund your improvement costs i mean yeah i mean you know that that makes a big difference because a lot of times we'll start with some capital and the more we do this that it, it drains and drains and drains and drains so the more that we can kind of redeploy and keep in our in our our pot so to speak uh the better off we're going to be as, as far as scale um for sure we, we try not to to dwell on the number of doors either for that reason like we don't want a hundred doors we want to build wealth and meet our fin financial goals with the least number of doors. Mm -hmm. And so being in a market that we're the market that we're in allows us to do that because there's a bigger effect on our net worth than there would be in those secondary markets uh, where, you know, you pretty much, if, if someone else had the exact same goals as us financially, but they were investing in a, a secondary market, they would need substantially more properties than we do. Um, and so that's not something that we're interested in. And like I said before, we're not interested in the long distance investing anymore either, which means, you know, there are no secondary markets that like close enough to us mm -hmm. to make it of, of interest. So, yeah, we're about 20 minutes from all our local properties here. So we can just, you know, zip over there, check on it. It's very yeah. convenient. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the thing that the theme that keeps coming through to me with you guys is that, you know, what you guys want, you guys know what you like. You've tried some different things, you know, you've done different things. You've done the single family or the condo, you've done the, the long distance and you have found what works for you. And that's what's important with all of this stuff to our listeners out there. You know, we talk about it all the time, all the different strategies, all the different approaches. 
And it's usually unique to the individual or to the partnership. Uh, and it's a lot of the time a combination of a lot of these different things. It's what works for the market. It what, it's what works for the individual and their partners. And it, it has a lot to do with what the goal is. So what what is your guys' longer term goal? What what are you guys what are you after? You said, you know, you said it's not necessarily doors. You guys are after something more specific. What do you think? How do you see the future unfolding, I guess, so to speak? Well, for for us, it's getting to uh, a specific monthly income that's sustainable and is passive. And so rather than buying properties that might cash flow 1500 bucks a month and, you know, buy a few of those and be, be set, our plan is to buy these properties that don't cash flow as much. You know, we're four to 600 bucks, maybe a little more depending on the property per month. Um, but get, getting our portfolio to a point where we've built up a lot of equity and the sale of a certain number of our properties would basically that the proceeds from the sale of some of our properties would pay off the other properties, the remaining properties that we that we're keeping. So in turn, we're we're left with a, a port multi-million dollar portfolio by that time that we're keeping, but that are that's fully paid off. And now our cash flow is where we want it to be. And so as far as an, an actual number, our goal is to have at least twenty thousand dollars a month in 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 cash flow. Um, from from our portfolio, which with our strategy, I would say would probably be somewhere in the five to seven year range to acquire to, or to achieve that. Uh, and then at that point, we can decide to keep investing. Uh, we can maybe do some investing with our kids because they'll be at an age where they'll understand it a little bit better. But we won't have to, and and we won't have to to do the whole clocking in and clocking out thing at uh, mm-hmm. at, a, at a regular job. So. Um, we're, we're shooting for cash flow, but not instantly. We're building up to that. Yeah, that's a br- brilliant strategy for our listeners out there. Yeah, so when we first started the conversation, we talked about how you kind of pivoted your strategy, but the goal really didn't change. No. You just took a different approach as opposed to going after this 25-year, 30-year loan plan to pay all these properties off. Uh, what John and Amanda decided to do was go after equity. So they're sacrificing some cash flow now for properties that they're bringing a huge value add to that's building up their net worth. So at a certain point in time, you guys are gonna be able to sell a portion of that portfolio off to pay the balance of the loans on the remaining properties. I would imagine your best properties. Yep. And yeah. and and at, at what point in time that gives you a, a certain number of cash flow passively every month. So brilliant strategy, I love it. That's, yeah. that's, that's good stuff. Do you work with other uh, partners? Is it just you guys? Do you do you have other people that you bring in on any of these projects? So we always did it ourselves up until this most recent one that we're going to be starting in May. So we have a capital partner that's going to be working with us on that. So we're the active partner and he's the capital partner. And we're doing the same strategy as what we always do with the duplex conversion. So we're really excited about that one. Yeah, we um, go, going back to the whole thing we, you were talking about earlier, Travis, about... Um, people that may not have a lot of time, like we're, we have two young kids, but because I have flexibility with my job, I'm not only able to manage my, my properties, but I can manage uh, together. We can manage the projects, the renovations, but also we can take on a capital partner um, who basically puts in the capital to, to, to purchase the property, um, like the down payment, the renovation and closing costs. Um, and then they're the they're the capital and we're the 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 
energy, the effort, the, the, the work, the time. And that might lead this particular partner to be able to do it on, on their own next time because they're going to learn from, from us every step of the way. However, they may decide that they don't have the time. They have more demanding jobs um, and they may decide, well, you know what, we're not looking to retire in five years. So we're going to focus on our career. We're going to have money in real estate, but we're going to have John and Amanda put all the time and, and energy and knowledge into it so that we can capitalize on it, you know, uh, that way. And so, and then we, we get half the, 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 the profit, they get half the profit and we've, we've all brought what we, what we bring to the table. So going back to what you were saying, if, you, if there's somebody that doesn't have time, but wants their money deployed in real estate and working for them, this is a great way to do it. Um, hook up with somebody who knows what they're doing and has the time um, to, to take it on and, and help you grow your, your wealth. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I talk about all the time, you know, financial partners, private money. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's a real thing. I mean, people, a lot of people want to get into real estate investing, but it's for different reasons. So like you yeah. just said, somebody may be really focused on their career. They may have ex, uh, excess capital or cash and they may just want to diversify. They may not want all of their money going into the you know equities markets yeah. and they may just want to take a portion of it and, and have it in real estate just, just for the simple reason of diversification. But what they might not have is the education and the ability to do it and the time which you guys yeah. bring. And that's, that's what, that's what the basis of all partnerships are. It's mutually beneficial to all the parties yeah. involved for whatever reason. Yep. Um, and what one brings, the other one is usually lacking or doesn't have as much of and, and vice versa. And, and in your case, you guys have the ability and the time to do it. Uh, so that sounds like it makes a great partnership. Are you, are you actively bringing other partners in on your deals or is this kind of a one-off scenario? So we um, are open to other partnerships. I think for us, um, that might make us a little bit unique as well is that we don't like to have too many projects on the go. So we're not looking to like, you know, be super speedy and have like five things on the go. Like we're going to do this one and then, you know, we're going to look at the next one. Maybe the next one we'll do ourselves. But, you know, we're still open to having those conversations with partners. It just has to be like the right fit. Definitely has to be the right fit. Um, we wouldn't just take anybody's money and deploy it into a, a project. Uh, it has to, we have to mesh well with, with the partner and, and they have to work mesh well with us. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be, it just has to be a good, there has to be a good balance. And, but to what Amanda said, we know very successful investors that have four five, six, seven projects on the go at any given time. And that makes my head spin. It, it works well for them. And that's totally yeah, fine. It's, it, it, that's us. why I said they are successful. Yeah. So there's not, I'm not knocking it. It's just, for, to, for, for us to be able to do one project and as that project's wrapping up, have another one on the go, which is or starting up, which exactly is exactly what's happening now. One of our duplexes, the renovation's finishing up in the next week or two. And then um, now we have a closing date for the next one. And that is a very good, in my opinion, it's a very good kind of, I don't want to call it trajectory, but just a flow. Um, so we end up potentially getting three to four properties uh, in, into our portfolio per year, um, whether it's on our own or with a partner. And uh, that, you know, for if you can do three to four properties a year, you're going to be very, very wealthy. And that's, and, but we don't want, you know, 
we want them to be spread out. We don't want three or four or 10 properties in a year and do them all at once because things start to happen. It's stressful. And we definitely uh, want to keep our investors, our private lenders money safe and, and ourselves safe. So for us, slow and steady wins the race is kind of our philosophy. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get like stuck on like FOMO, like fear of missing out. They see all these people that are doing so many deals and everything and they feel like, oh, I just need to get another one or whatever. And it's like, you just need to slow down and go at your own pace, your own risk tolerance. And, you know, you'll still continue to build wealth. Yeah. I mean, perfectly said, Amanda, it's a lot about risk tolerance, you know, and again, it keeps coming through from you guys. You guys know what works for you. Uh, you know what you guys like, and that's different for every everyone. You know, other people that are more aggressive and may be okay with taking on a little bit more risk, more more capital, uh, more partners to expedite their process, whether good or bad. It's just a different approach. You guys know what works for you, and it's it's been it's been successful. So good stuff. And then about the financial partners, like you said, you, you know, it's not necessarily always seeking out i need to find a partner i need to find i need to do it that way but by building the relationships having the contacts building broadening your network you you, over time by doing that not only do you find people that could potentially partner with you but you also ideally find people that you think may work well with you right because so partnerships aren't always all rosy you know there there are differences (laughs) of personalities and conflicts can arise so that's another aspect, you know, finding people that work well with you. And it's not something I don't think people should really rush into either. So that's yeah. a, that's another great, great. Point. So this is great stuff. You know, you guys have talked to us about how you're, you know, converting the single families to the duplexes. Um, you're utilizing the birth strategy and, and partnerships. Do you have an example of a project where you pulled all these different strategies together? Uh, could you kind of talk us to just a quick overview of something that you've, you've done in the past or currently doing where you've pulled all these pieces or some of these pieces together? For sure. Yeah. So so we have a uh, project wrapping up very soon, um, a, a conversion, and we purchased that property, closed on it December 8th, 2020. So it's been about three months. Um, and we purchased that for 563000 The renovation is going to come in probably somewhere around one fifty. And the, the after repair value is looking like we're going to get somewhere in the high sevens, somewhere between 775 and 800. So with that number, we're basically pulling out the renovation uh, costs. And um, we do have a private lender on, on this one for the, for the renovation. So that'll um, allow us to pay the private lender back and then, um, you know, put, put the, the remainder into the next project and, and continue on from there. Uh, so, and then uh, the, the actual um, prog- process to convert one of these single family homes into a duplex, it's typically three months. It can go a little longer with COVID. There's some delays and also with, um, you know, be- because we're wrapping this up and there's still snow on the ground, uh, there's some outdoor things that are gonna wait a little bit b- before, before they're done. But essentially it's a three month renovation uh, these range from 120 to 150,000, uh, and uh, it typically ends up being about the cost of the renos that we pull out. And this one, we did three beds up, three beds down, so it's a, a good size one, which we're excited. Yeah. We, yeah, I think you mentioned that we usually aim for two, at least two bedrooms in the basement. But if you can find three bedrooms, which we found twice now, yeah, it's big amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. I mean, and that's and that's again. I think I, I, I can't say it enough. You guys are hitting on all the same key points, and they're to me they're all back to 
just knowing the specifics of what you're looking for, having your strategy, having your approach, and having those pieces in place that allow you to go execute, like you said, John, in, in about three months or so. Um, and then, it, you know, like, like you were talking about before, pace. I'm guessing you guys have another one on the horizon now that this one's wrapping up. Yeah. So the uh, the, the capital partner we were just talking about, um, we actually, because it's such a fiercely competitive market right now, we've we've offered on several, but we actually did um, did land one uh, recently. So it's another. Um, duplex conversion with three beds up and the room for three beds in the basement. Um, so, and uh, we, we've learned that the price that we got it for, so just to put it in perspective, we've paid 563 for that last one in December. This one we were, we've uh, got it for 660. So almost a hundred thousand more than we paid three months ago. So it's really insane what the, va the values have done, but the after repair values are also up as well. So we're, we're still, you know, doing, we'll do just as well. Um, and we went, when we saw this one, uh, when we went downstairs, we like, we, we basically said we have to have this one because it's got a ton of room. This is going to be a very large unit in the basement. And even though we had other ones that we had just seen, like all seen all on the same day, this is the one we wanted and we went for it and ended up getting it. So uh, May 7th is the closing date. We've already got the uh, drawer and the contractor book to come in and do a walkthrough next week. Uh, we'll apply for permits in advance. We'll have, um, we've got plenty of time to get the permits in place before we start. And then on closing day, we, or the day after we start demo and get to work. Love it. You guys are crushing it. Sounds like you're hitting on, you know, firing on all cylinders. It's, uh, yeah, it's good you. stuff. I mean, and again, I think it, it has a lot to do with just being so specific about what it is you, you want and, and, ha and having that specific approach, I think, is probably one of the critical factors to why you guys are doing so well. And I, and I appreciate appreciate you guys sharing that all of that with our audience. Uh, now it's time for our segment, uh, advice from our invest, invest guests. Um, three quick questions. Uh, I like to wrap up every show with it. Um, number one, can you recommend to, our listen to any listeners out there who may not have started investing in real estate yet, what's one thing that they could do right now to help get them on that path. So I I will I want to say learn and educate, but I want to be clear. <clears throat> don't get wrapped up in podcasts and podcasts are awesome, <clears throat> by the way. Uh, but <laughs> but don't get wrapped up in podcasts, YouTube videos, books, articles, blogs, and and analysis and, paralysis <laughs> and become yeah. paralyzed by all that because. I've talked to a lot of people and I do some like very, just free coaching just to like newbie investors, just to kind of get them on the right path. And I hear a lot that is that, that, that they say like, well, you know, I, I, every time I get in the car, I'm excited because there's an, I'm going to listen to another podcast. And, and before I maybe pull the trigger, I'm just going to listen to podcasts for another you know few weeks and just kind of, it's never going to make you a good investor just by listening to podcasts. And, and, and so for those of you who are listening to this podcast, if you're in a position to invest financially or you you can, you know, you have the means to do it in other, whatever way, do it. P like pick a strategy that makes sense to you, get a mentor, get a coach, um, do all that learning, but don't just do that. Actually take action and make it happen because honestly, when before we, like when, when we bought that first property, it was like game over. We just kept going. Um, but if we, if we hadn't bought the first property, 
who knows where we would be. We actually took action and, and made it happen. So I would say definitely read and listen and watch and all that stuff, but get a, get a coach if you need to pay, pay for an hour of someone's time just to get a strategy going and, and then just get something on the go. Yeah. Great, great stuff. I mean, well said. I think if you hadn't bought that first property, you'd probably probably be listening to this podcast as opposed to being the guests on it. So you're right, 100% right. All that education, all that, you know, there's so much education out there, which is great, uh, but we can drown in it sometimes. And like you said, as much as you listen, as much as you learn, it's never really going to make you ready. The, the What's going to make you, what's going to really give you the ability of, to do it successfully is getting out there and doing it. So taking action is, is, is the key component there. And it's like a, it's like a dom set of dominoes, you know, it's like once the first one falls, it really does accelerate, you know, it's like, you know, you kind of just blast off and things start moving a lot quicker. So great answer. Number two, looking back, uh, is there anything that you can point to that you would maybe do differently when you first started? Um, I think, I don't know. Um, I was I was thinking back to when we bought our first house because we were 20 when we bought our first house for ourselves. And I think if we knew what we knew now, we maybe we would even house hack or you know just to help kind of accelerate a little bit faster. We had the mindset then, like we loved rental properties, we loved the idea of it, but we didn't know like the whole investing world. So we bought our first house, sold it, bought our next house for ourselves and sold that, bought our next house. So I feel like if we knew what we knew now, we maybe would have started out a little bit differently and maybe house hacked. We would have started investing sooner. Like yeah. that, that's for sure. Uh, maybe we would have house hacked, maybe we would have kept the first one um, rather than sold it because you know it, it's more than doubled in value since since then. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. I think that, uh, and, and it kind of goes back to the last question you asked, like get started. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, don't wait, just get started. The sooner you start, the more uh, value it's going to add to your life. And so um, if I were to go back and change anything, it would be uh, just starting sooner and getting into this real estate investing community a lot earlier. Yeah, yeah. Reach out to people because like, there's so many knowledgeable people out there that are willing to share like information. Yeah. We've had so much help from other investors that are willing to share their time and it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. Great answers. I mean, you're right. It's, it's, it's about taking action again, you know, to, you know, educate yourself, what have you, but it, it, it's like that first domino falls again. You, you wish you kind of started back a little bit, you know, you wish you pushed it, you know, sooner. Yes. So exactly. taking action, getting started sooner rather than later for all of, of the young listeners out there, you're in a perfect position to take advantage of these strategies, as well as to Amanda, your point, that community that's um, accessible to any of us, whether it's through Facebook, Instagram, the Invest Nest, there's a great community of real estate investors out there and a majority of them are willing to help and you know offer any advice. So get started, that's great, great stuff. Um, last question, any book recommendations, anything that you can uh, point to for people that would potentially help them get started? Yeah, there's a lot of great books out there. I'm reading one right now, actually. It's called Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. And basically, it's it's kind of like to the point about the network too, but like you can, it's not asking how you're going to do something. It's asking who can help you to get to the next spot. And um, that could be like your your network, a good mortgage broker, like, you know. Coaches, coaches mentors, mentors. Do, doing it all on your yeah. own is not necessarily sustainable, especially when you do start scaling, you do, you have to start outsourcing and you also, 
uh, need help. Like you, yeah. like, like we we're at a point now where we're looking for guidance to be able to scale, like, um, you know, because once you get, you hit a wall, you hit where either financially or, or otherwise you hit a wall and you, you might need to bring someone in to, to just guide you. And so that book is basically more so about who in your network or who can you find to help you accelerate rather than how do I get this done? How do I keep moving? And then you're still stuck on your own and maybe, maybe not your, your wheels are spinning, but you're not getting anywhere. And it's a good book for not even just real estate, but business in general, just entrepreneurs, you know, how to, how to grow and how to manage your time wisely. Yeah, no, that sounds interesting. Who, not how that's it. I mean, even the title, like you just said, Amanda, it's not necessarily just real estate. I, I think in bit, when it comes to business in general, that's probably a lot. It's probably the one biggest mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs or small business startups make is not leveraging other people and, and they're trying to do everything themselves. And that really prevents you from growing, you know, because I've, I've had small businesses in the past and I've, I've, you know, been guilty of just that. You get caught up in, in the kind of that trap or that rat race of doing everything all the time. You lose sight of that bigger picture, you know, yeah. and, and like you just said, when it comes to business, like large corporations or big companies, it's not just one person running no. the whole show. I mean, somebody holds that title, but there are lots of pieces. And when it yeah. comes to real estate investing, they may not be employees or what have you, but there are other parties involved, whether it's your realtor, your mortgage broker, uh, your contractor. And I talk about it again all the time about building your team and, and having these pieces in place. And not what it does is not only just put take some of the weight off of your back rather than trying to go get your real estate license or trying to go get your contractor's license and do everything yourself, but it allows you to grow a little bit more easily. So it takes some of the burden off you and allows you to scale a little bit more quicker and just make things work. I'm honestly work a lot better in most cases. So yeah, Yeah, definitely. Great answers. Um, This has been a lot of fun. Uh, Is there a place that our listeners can connect with you guys if they want to learn more? If they're interested in what you guys are doing, how can they find out more about what you guys are doing? So we post a lot of our journey on Instagram. So we're at Legacy Home Investments. Um, We have a YouTube channel at Legacy Home and a website, LegacyHome.ca. Awesome. Very cool. And I'll include all of that down in uh, in the show notes. I'll put the links down there. So if any of you guys out there listening want to follow along with John and Amanda's uh, investing journey, you'll be able to go check them out and uh, reach out. Send us a message. We love, we love connecting with, with uh, new investors or right. anybody really. So we're, we're definitely approachable. So mm-hmm. send us a message and we'll, we'll definitely connect. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun, you guys. I really like, uh, I really like your strategy. Um, I like the fact that you kind of started with one approach, uh, but then realized there might be a better way to do it and shifted. Um, I think this interview, you've shared a lot of great uh, information and strategies, not just not just you know the different how how to in real estate investing, but kind of how you guys pull everything together and make it work. So I think, and I'm hopeful that our audience uh, takes a lot away from this this interview. Um, and I really do appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having Thanks us, Travis. Having appreciate us. it. Absolutely, my pleasure. Hope to have you guys back sometime. And I wish you guys both the best of luck in uh, 2021 and beyond. Likewise. Thanks. Thanks. Take care. All right. Thanks. And I also want to thank all of our listeners for joining us again this week. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Uh, and hopefully I didn't repeat myself too much, but John and Amanda, they're really, I mean, the, the, the focus on their strategy and their approach, I really do think it's a, 
a direct contributing factor to why they are um, as successful as they are. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed that conversation. I got a lot out of it. I hope you guys did as well. But I want to thank you all for tuning in again this week. Please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming shows. We drop our uh, podcasts every Wednesday morning. Um, of course, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Invest Nest. And go check out theinvestnest.com. All right, everybody. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, I'm your host, Travis Murphy. And you're listening to the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. Be sure to join the investnest.com and start learning and earning today.